Now, Mary Spaeth is a fascinating human being. You go back in time, and she was a producer at 2020 with ABC. Uh, she worked in the Reagan White House and ran the media. For the last 35 years, she's been the founder and president of a Dallas-based communications company called Spaeth Communications. And they talked to all sorts of people, CEOs and politicians and like I say, the 31st anniversary is coming up and probably a good time to check in with Mary Spaeth because we haven't in a while. It's good to have you with us. Thank you, David. Great to talk to you. So I'm guessing over 35 years, the nature of what you do has changed fairly dramatically. For example, did you think you were ever going to be coaching CEOs and other business types how to have effective Zoom meetings? <laughs> well, um Yes and no, actually. Uh, I admit that Zoom was just a blink in, in nobody's eye 35 years ago. But 35 years ago, we were still talking to people about how you communicate over the best channels to meet your customer or your employee where they are. And of course, initially, one of the things 35 years ago that was controversial was video. But even then, David, you know, we were talking to people about how you communicate straight to camera over video. Now, of course, that's everybody's all day experience, at least with Zoom. I can remember 35 years ago trying to get CEOs to come on television or, or radio and do an interview, and it was like pulling teeth. They saw absolutely no upside to it and saw only downside, that they would make a, you know, misstatement or misstep or or they'd look bad. That's really changed a lot. Well, it has, and fortunately there are great role models around, whether you're talking about Herb Kelleher the late CEO of Southwest Airlines, or somebody like Doug McMillan, who's the CEO of Walmart, who takes every opportunity to throw himself in front of a camera and talk to his own employees. So now we can say, look, it's not just me saying this, it's the CEO of Walmart. And if he thinks it's a good idea, you probably ought to learn to do it too. You do a lot of writing and uh, are quoted a lot. And, and I know you're a sought after speaker for, you know, in, in your area. But you wrote an article not too long ago in the Wall Street Journal that was headlined, So You Want to Run for the Senate? Question mark. And, I, you know, more and more as I watch politics evolve and, and the fighting and the backbiting and the nastiness on whether it's Twitter or whatever, it makes me wonder why anybody in their right mind would want to run for the Senate or, you know, city council for that matter. Well, I guess that's one of the great strengths of our republic, um, David, and I always tell my clients and my friends when they bemoan the, the case of, um, of civil discussion, they say, listen, several people have said, if you think it's bad now, look at what they called President Lincoln. So this is not new. And I think people want to run for office because they want to make a difference. At least that's why the candidates and people who come through my office tell me they want to make a difference because, and you know this because you report on it on a virtual daily basis, Government is intertwined with every part of our lives today. And if you want to improve health care, education, anything, you name it, you better understand how to deal with government and you better be playing the game. But do people really want to at the, to, to the same extent that they used to? You know, one of the things you, you write in your article, where's the, I find the quote here. Oh, oh, you've got to think about all the stuff. You've got to do research on yourself. The middle of the night tweet, the old picture of you and your first wife in an antebellum costume, a contribution you made to save the Che Guevara statue, all the things that can come back and bite you. And they'll, they'll find those things, too. 
They will, but the good news is that you've got to have stuff to compete with. And I think one of the key things that, uh, that we tell our clients today, just after uh, President Biden's um, recent press, two-hour press conference, which would now be uh, just a little while ago, one of the criticisms that was labeled by Democrats trying to defend the president, they say, well, ask Republicans, what are they for? And we're constantly asking you, what are you for? Because that's the thing you have to be able to define. And if you can, then that ancillary background noise and chatter, while it may drive you nuts, it's not going to determine who you are. But, you know, you think it's pretty easy, but actually for a lot of people, thinking about and articulating what are you for becomes a real challenge. So where are the politicians coming from? They're not coming out of corporate America making the transition into politics, are they? Some are. Uh, yeah, a surprising number of people, if you look at them, particularly at the local level, David, are people who were sheriffs uh, or police officers. There are more military, former military people running for office than ever before. And I personally think that's a great thing. And I know you know this, but, you know, years ago, most of Congress had served in the military at some point, And now it's just a handful of people. And since national defense should be one of the key responsibilities of the federal government, I think it's good to have people in office who've actually done it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and they're few and far between, it seems like. So look, so we are uh, uh, almost two years into this this COVID thing. And, and one of the one of my favorite things is to ask everybody how you made it through the last two years. How did you make it through the last two years? I mean, you didn't have all your staff in the office and and, and business must have dried up for a good long while. Well, there are a couple of things. Uh, first of all, blessed to Zoom, all hail to Zoom uh, and the other platforms. And Zoom and its breakout sessions came through just in time to save our training business. And also, even though we've been a Dallas-based firm, we've also worked, it'd be sort of a stretch to say all over the world, but we really do global trainings. So actually, Zoom cut the cost dramatically and solved a lot of logistics problems. So while it did make us rethink how we organized our training sessions, because you can't get people together for a day anymore, you know, they would just die. So we had to rethink and restructure our training, which we did. Uh, but it made things a lot easier. Give us a lot more options. And, you know, David, I am a glass half full person. So I'm always going to take a look at what the possibilities are and say, great, let's go with that. So that's really what carried us through. And consulting has always been a, a global business. So that just kept going. In fact, Zoom made it a little easier. I think it's nicer to see the person rather than just be huddled around a conference table and a speakerphone. And I, and I know one of the areas that you always were really good at was crisis management and talking to, you know, companies, for example, that had crisis. And there have been a lot of crises lately. Is that business there gotten has, better? That business has continued to be robust. And one of the things that has changed, you asked what had changed, and I think changed for the better, is that lawyers are getting much more savvy at this point, And they understand that communication is a part of risk mitigation or risk management. Because, I mean, 35 years ago, it was the rare lawyer who understood what we did or cared or wanted us to do it. And now we're frequently the first call when something goes on and they want us to come in and do a thorough communication analysis and benchmark their leadership. Because today, one of the critical things is that your leaders or your knowledge experts better be out there willing to talk and willing to answer questions. And I'm constantly reminding people, if you want to talk about Ronald Reagan, my old boss, you're talking about rehearsal. 
Okay. You don't talk to anybody unless you thought about it and you've rehearsed. If it doesn't, if it doesn't come out of your mouth in rehearsal, don't say it. Is that right? So Ronald Reagan rehearsed. It, it was, it was like, I guess, well, of course he got his training in the movies and you certainly rehearsed there. Absolutely. Um, and um, if you look at his note cards, he not only rehearsed verbally, he would take whatever material had been prepared for him and he would write down in these little tiny boxes. I can give you a copy for your website. These little tiny boxes, it was impenetrable to anybody but him, but he used those as his notes, plus the discipline of taking the material and distilling it to these little pieces helped him, apparently helped him memorize it. So I, I always have, I hear the same two excuses. CEOs tell me, well, I won't rehearse because I'm, I'm too busy. And I don't need to rehearse, I already know the material. And my response is, well, sure. Now, my former boss, Reagan, that is President Reagan, like President of the United States, always rehearsed. But hey, you know, if you're too busy, hey, I understand. <laughs> You've been doing this for 35 years. My guess is you'll do it for another five or 10? I hope so. Uh, it's a rich environment. Uh, it's a wonderful environment. There's lots of opportunity. Dallas is a great place to be from, um, as you know. It's a terrific place for, for business and business-focused consulting. And I just feel blessed to be here, to be healthy, and to be able to make a difference and a contribution. Yep. I echo much of that. And it's a wonderful, eclectic community, too. It's not all tech or all energy or anything else. It's wonderful. Mary Spaith, founder and president of Spaith Communications, about to blow out 35 candles in our company. Congratulations. David, thank you. Thanks for the time. For more of our conversation, go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.